hi again to all of you, and thanks so much, as always, for coming back. I want to talk to you today about commitment. We've done that before, but there cannot be too many discussions about the whole idea of commitment. Now, an aside in the beginning, which is don't commit without guidance. The reason for that is if you do, it's likely not to work out well. And sometimes we do in the beginning when we try to please other people or we think we're obligated or we think it's our responsibility, but the heart's not in it. Don't do it. You'll probably be sorry. Okay, that said, we want to continue on. So I'm going to tell you a story of my very early, early days. And as preamble even to that, I grew up in a household where lots happened Lots went on. Everybody was multitasking all over the place. My mother's favorite word was accomplishment. Her days were either made or not by how much she accomplished. Her favorite thing was, I accomplished so much today. Well, you can imagine what I learned, (laughs) which was to do everything and do it well, because that's just how life is supposed to be. Well, that kept me really busy, what can I say? So off I go to my very first job when I was out of college and 21, not quite 22, and I ventured off to a Midwestern city with my brother in tow as confidant and support system in this big adventure. And after a few days, I found myself a job, came back home, and moved up in August so that I could teach school. I got a job in a suburban Midwestern city teaching all the advanced math. My degree was in mathematics. Now, I was young enough and inexperienced enough at that time not to realize that nobody ever gets hired to teach the advanced math when you're brand newly out of college with no experience. But in this particular case, The advanced math person had just been demoted, and the head of the department liked plane geometry, that class you take in the 10th grade. So they were looking for an advanced math person, and here I was. And I was supposed to teach advanced algebra and trigonometry and solid geometry. And amazingly, I had managed never to take solid geometry because I didn't like the geometry part of math. I'd taken all kinds of other classes, many useless things like calculus and differential equations, but avoided geometry. So I just signed on to teach this class and several others. Okay, so now I come back home and I have to quickly figure out how I'm going to move from where I grew up to this city and find myself a place to live and get myself settled in and learn the beginnings of solid geometry. So I settled in and this was a wearing job because my kids are 17 and 18 years old. So they're five and four years younger than I am, which presents an interesting challenge, but we managed to overcome all of that. And I'm very busy. I get home from school at four in the afternoon and my day just begins because now I've got to do lesson plans for three different classes and learn that solid geometry. Oh, so it's a good thing I came out of a background where you're supposed to do everything, do it well, and not worry about it. So here's where committing to do this is a really big help because had I not, I don't know how that would have happened. 
So a couple of weeks after school, one of my kids says, I need to talk to you after school. Okay. So he comes in. He said, now I would like to know how you're supposed to be interested in school and solid geometry when the most important thing is how you've lived your life when you die. And I thought, darn, who would ever have guessed I have to answer that question on top of everything else? So we have a chat. A few days later, a little group of kids come in and say, would you sponsor a philosophy club? Well, I don't know. I'll ask. Most school clubs only meet once a month. That can't be too complicated. So I asked the principal, and the kids were good students, and he said yes. So I met with this group of about 25 kids and said, well, go home and tell your parents that you're likely to hear things that you might not have heard before. This is back when everybody belonged to churches in this particular suburb. Most people were affiliated either with Lutheran or Roman Catholic churches, and I'm sure they didn't ever ask their parents anything. (laughs) So nevertheless, they said, we want to meet at least once a week. I'm thinking, already this is going off the rails. How am I going to do this or teach these three classes? So we agreed, okay, we would meet once a week from three until six. Now, these are teenagers who want to stay at school for three more hours. This is reasonably unheard of. So we do our philosophy club, which is not about studying philosophers. I could tell that just like I was looking for meaningful answers when I was a teenager, these kids were too. So I I have to laugh out loud at all I didn't know when I was 21 years old. But I'd several, a number of years, I'd been studying Eastern philosophy, reading everything I could find or around the edges. So we would dive in. And I don't know what I told them, but whatever it was, they kept coming back for more. So I called my mother and said, quick, box up a bunch of books on these general subjects of healing and metaphysics and Eastern philosophy and reincarnation and so on, and send them to me so I can have this little lending library. So she did, sent a couple of boxes of books, about half I'd read, about half I had not read. So on top of learning my three classes, I'm frantically reading books. I'm reading books like a demon because I don't want to check any out until I have read them. So my days are getting longer and longer and my nights are getting shorter and shorter. But nevertheless, we proceed and we just have the most wonderful time. And these kids said, The problem with our philosophy club is we don't get to stay long enough. So on certain nights, we would make arrangements ahead of time, and they would bring their sack dinner, and we'd stay till 9 o'clock at night. This gets stranger and stranger. These are high school kids who don't want to go home. What does that tell you about what we're all looking for? We're trying to find answers, not just the stuff we're taught that's the conventional wisdom, so to speak, but meaningful answers about themselves, about how life actually works. So sometimes I would take them down to the gym everybody's gone. I've got a key to the school. We're the only ones there. And I taught them whatever it was I knew about yoga and some other things. <laughs> Probably the school board would have all just turned upside down on their heads if they had known what I was doing. But I certainly was able to pull it off. I still laugh when I think about that. <laughs>
So here they've hired the advanced math teacher who didn't really know what she was doing, but I always learned and nobody ever knew and nobody ever knew we went to the gym, except all the people who were involved going to the gym. So I'm in love with teenagers because we're still in that place of being open to experience. It's like we're asking real questions and we have that feeling that life is still ahead of us and we want meaningful answers, not just pat wrote answers to anything. Like, how do things really work? And we certainly want to be encouraged and cared for. And and I certainly felt that way about my kids. And the more I just love doing this for them, of course, the bigger kick I got out of it. So here's to the teenager in all of us. So I think we should commit, this is the big word, commit to keep following where we're led, to keep pushing that envelope, to keep exploring, to keep passing things on. So my life's work after lots and lots of years since that first early teaching experiences, well, my gosh, here I am. I'm still doing it. (laughs) The difference is now I don't have to hide out in a gym. I don't have to hide out from anybody. I can just come full out and say, I am committed to taking anybody by the hand who wants to jump in, be all you can be, and find out life is really grand. Talk to you later. Bye.